Please join me in prayer. All right, Father, first, uh, thank you for the volunteers that, that do bring this church uh, together, Lord, and just help uh, make sure that we can show the hands and feet, Lord, and just have opportunities to be welcoming to the community and everybody here. So we just thank you for that. Lord, in today's message on set, uh, being set free, we know that we can find freedom through uh, the sacrifice that, uh, that your son was for us, Lord, and is for us and continues to be. So we thank you for that. We thank you for today's message and Dion as she delivers it. It's in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Hey, it's good to see all of you guys. Um, my name is Dion, um, as Justin said, and we just uh, thanks for taking some time to join us this morning, especially considering that most of you probably got blown in from the wind. And so <laughs> I appreciate you doing that. Um, good morning to our online family. As you can see as, as the video started, um, we're going to be talking about freedom today. Um, to kind of just let us know, we are currently in a series. Um, it's called The Good Life, but what we are doing is we are continuing our teaching, going through a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome, and so it is the book of Romans. And the thing about the book of Romans is that it is so unbelievably applicable to life. It just kind of you know, takes us from where we are before God and what God did for us um, to bring us into a relationship with him, that we have that opportunity through his son, Jesus Christ. And it brings us to now where um, we're looking at sin and the challenges that all of us have with it, whether we are not yet decided to follow Christ or we have decided to follow Christ and the fact that we still struggle with all of this. Last week, um, we were introduced to, um, not introduced, but we spent some time on looking at sin and the damaging that effects that it has. And so today we're going to actually continue in that lesson and talk about how we can be set free from the bondage of sin. And so as we saw in the video, it was talking about freedom. And it, the basis of it was that people were asked, um, when they think of freedom, what comes to mind? And there was a variety of answers. I would imagine that if I were to ask all of you what freedom means to you, we would have an equal, different kind of variety of what freedom means. Um, so we saw that, and probably I think that um, when it comes to freedom, besides, besides happiness, uh, pursuing happiness in life, freedom might be one of those, those things, those states of being that I think we strive for the most. It's something that even maybe started early on in childhood, where as kids, we wanted to be free. We wanted to be free to make our own choices. We wanted to be able to say that we didn't have to do any homework and we didn't have to do any chores. We wanted to do what we wanted. We wanted to have fun. We wanted to stay up late. We wanted to eat cake for breakfast. And, you know, of course, we didn't want to have our parents telling us what to do, you know, and discipline and all of that. We just wanted to enjoy the benefits of adulthood. Thinking back on it for myself, I was convinced as a child that the reason I had to go to bed at a certain time was because it was after I went to bed that my parents pulled out all the board games and had all the fun. <laughs> and I was like, but you know, not that we do that. So, I mean, but the problem is, is as kids and sometimes even as adults, our understanding of what freedom is, is just incorrect. We see it, have a tendency to see it as throwing off all restraint and just simply being allowed to do what we want without any regard to consequences. However, throughout history, many have really understood what true freedom is. Um, they've desired 
true freedom, whether it's freedom from literal slavery, tyrannical governments, our own nation was founded on the ideal of freedom from government dictating our every move. And over our history, men and women have fought and died to protect our freedoms as a nation. And although we do enjoy certain freedoms as American citizens, there is one freedom that absolutely no one can give us except for Christ, and that's spiritual freedom. And he also fought and died for us to be free from the tyranny and the pain of sin and its damaging effects. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And so today, today's really for the person who is here who's maybe seeking, um, exploring Christianity, looking for answers, looking for hope inside of their life. But it's also for the Christian who wants to do the right thing, but for some reason just seems to be powerless to do so. We always find ourselves wanting to do the right thing, but somehow not quite getting to that point. And so we're going to take a look at why that is and how we can kind of get out of that mindset. And so for all of us here, um, to kind of apply it to ourselves when we think of freedom, I think we all understand that desire, that need to be free from something. Um, we might need to be free from some sort of pain, either physical pain, um, emotional pain, or relational pain. Um, if I were to ask you at this moment what's going on in your life, what you would want to be free from the most, what would you say? And so keep that in mind as we go forward today, because I know some of us here either have or are in need of freedom from addiction, whether it be drugs or alcohol. For some, it's even food or maybe pornography. Some of us need to be free from the trap of anger and stress. Um, I have to work on stress all the time. I'm always working on not being stressed, and I'm always failing on not being stressed, just so that you know. <laughs> I try, and it's, it's difficult. Um, others are looking for healing from a painful marriage or family conflict, and many people are, are also trapped dealing with emotional or mental health disorders, things like depression, anxiety, and fear, PTSD. And, and I know especially now this is, this is kind of a big deal at the moment, um, even more so, um, on the news, I noticed that pretty much every day the reports are coming out basically stating that um, rates of depression and suicide have tripled since COVID. And so we see that, that this, is, this is a real deal. This is a thing for people. And so some of us feel really trapped in this. And, and I certainly understand when it comes to depression, I certainly understand this. I know that um, some of you may know my story, so this will just be brief. But I, I get the whole thing behind depression because I, I suffered with depression many years ago. Um, when my kids were toddlers, I was a stay-at-home mom. And at the time, I wasn't connected to church. We weren't coming to church because I was also dealing with some severe, some chronic and painful health issues. And so at that point, you know, being home, being isolated, not really having anybody around me, I just kind of started spiraling down into depression as I would focus on what I thought were my problems. I was having, like I said, having health issues. And so believing that no one really cared. And so it got to the point where it was severe enough to where I was even considering suicide. So I had come to that point. So I understand how we can feel trapped in that. And, and like you want to get out of it, but you just don't even really know where to begin. And so for us, when we're looking at spiritual freedom 
and the things that we, we want to be free from, we have to kind of start with the basics. And whether we realize it or not, that until we decide to follow Christ, until we choose to submit our lives to him, um, we simply are slaves to sin and the damage that it causes. And so this is actually a normal thing. Anyone who practices, and I key in on the word practice because this is when we are deliberately doing something, you know, the purpose of doing it, and we continue doing it, the practice of sin, when we do these things on purpose, willfully, deliberately, we actually become a slave to it. So for me, because I spent so much time thinking about my, my circumstances and, and feeling ill and, and practicing thinking in my mind that nobody loved me and how sad my life is, I became enslaved to depression. We become enslaved to addiction. We become enslaved to anger and to, you know, to worry and stress and fear because we practice it whether we realize it or not. And so, so that's where that feeling of being trapped and even helpless comes in, and we may even get to the point that, that we lose hope. So for me, it was, it was not just dealing with depression, but feeling helpless in my marriage to be able to stop fighting with my husband and being more patient with my children. And so what I want to tell everybody here today, no matter where we are in our journey, um, first of all, is I'm just going to kind of share with you my journey. That seems to be what I do because God has just taught me so much and continues to teach me so much. Um, but today is about hope because we can have hope. Um, our, and our hope does start with Christ because it is through him that he offers true freedom from everything that I mentioned and everything that I haven't mentioned that, that goes on in our lives. And so last week, as I mentioned, we started the beginning of this next portion of our study of Romans, and we talked about new life. And the fact that, like I said, before Christ, our, our position is that for the wages of sin, when we choose to continue to be enslaved to sin, our wages, our eternity is death. But the good news is that the free gift of God, the hope that we have is that his free gift when we choose to follow him is eternal life. That, um, and that comes through Christ. And so before then, we are simply dead in our trespasses, following the course of this world. We follow the ways the world does things. We, we do things the way, you know, the media tells us to or, or you know, the experts or however it is. We do things those, that way because we simply don't know that we shouldn't. Because until we follow Christ, we are simply following what Satan is compelling us to do. And, and it's, he is called the prince of the power of the air. And so that's kind of really where we are in this. And so whether we know it or not, that's who we're following. But like I said, our hope is in that when we choose to follow Christ, we can have a whole new beginning. So as we talk about being set free from the bondage and damage and destruction that, can, that sin can have in our lives is this incredible fact that when we choose to follow Christ, we become a new creation. A new creation. How amazing is that? When you think about what we are, what we have been, and to have that opportunity for a completely new opportunity to live, to think, to respond, to do things, to be a new creation. Um, I call it the great exchange. We our old spirit, our old person who is a slave to the practice of sin is, is no longer there. 
if we're a new creation, that, that one is gone. The new has come. So we have this new spirit that's free from the slavery of our emotions. It's free from the chains of addiction, free from pain, free from having to obey those sinful practices. And so our main point, part of our main point today is, is understanding, getting to that part, that point where in our minds we know for sure, for sure, for sure, for real deal, that Satan no longer has control or dominion over us as Christians, and that we are free, and that we can live as free people. But I will admit, this does present a huge challenge, because we don't know how to be free. We have been practicing sin in our lives and being a slave of sin for so long, not only do we not recognize it, but it feels abnormal not to sin. Let me kind of put it this way. A friend and I were talking the other day, and, you know, here we are. It's like, what, 15, 16 months after COVID started, and we've been having to wear masks. And I know everybody's kind of got a different opinion about it. That's not what this is about. But we're so used to wearing them now and having to wear them when we go into places and doing this and doing that, that if, if this afternoon they said, you no longer have to wear a mask anywhere for any reason, how weird would that feel? Even if you're like throwing a parade because you don't have to, <laughs> it would still feel weird, right? There would almost be maybe a little bit of anxiety, some thoughts. For some of us, it would be like, wow, because it's what was normal is now abnormal. And so that's kind of how it is for us when we make that decision and we are now have the ability to be free in Christ. So what we must learn then is what it actually means to be free and how do we live this out? And the key here is that we're not talking about feelings. We're not talking about feeling free because even as Christians, for the most part, we're not, we're not always going to feel free. We're not always going to feel like the weight of the world has lifted and we can run around like a free person. It's not dependent on feelings. It's dependent on knowing where we are in Christ, knowing we are free. In fact, in um, the book of John, in chapter 8, Jesus himself tells us that we will know the truth, we will know his truth, we will know the truth of what he is teaching us and who he is as the truth, that when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. And if the Son sets us free, we are free indeed. There's no question, there's no difference here. And so what we need to learn is what that means and being able to understand that this is a whole new world for us. It's a whole new perspective. It's a whole new understanding. It's a completely different shift in our mindset and how we approach life and how we respond to life. And so what this means for us now is something that probably is going to sound a little unusual, but what we're going to do is we're going to base the rest of our time off of a verse, Romans 6 um, Romans chapter 6, verse 11, because today we're in this portion of Romans 6. And the verse says that we are to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So as we're thinking about freedom in Christ, being set free, and what this means for us, what we're really looking at is that Paul tells us that now we need to consider ourselves dead to sin. So here's where I get my nerd on because I love words and I like to do the research of words. And so as we start to pull this verse apart, we're going to kind of get a better understanding of what this means. Okay, so we're going to start with the word dead. And as you can see, the Greek word for dead that's used in this chapter is the word nekros, 
Well, you might be familiar with the fact that this is also where we get the word necrosis, which is a medical term for flesh um, or cells that are dying due to damage or injury or being cut off from a supply of blood. So the death that, ta- that Paul is talking about here, being dead to sin, is, is literal death. Um, destitute of life, inanimate, destitute of force or power. It's inoperative. So when we're talking about being dead to sin, there's no force behind it for us. But the other fun part of this, and this is just what totally blew my mind when I was looking at this, is the word consider. So he says you must consider yourselves. It's also in other translations the word used is reckon. Now, I know that for most of us, when we think of the word consider, it's more or less like, well, I'm considering going to um, Max for lunch this afternoon. Well, you know, you're just kind of thinking about it. You're pondering it. You may, you might not. In this particular sense, the word consider is actually based in reality. It's a, it's a, realist, a real fact. Like if I have $100 in my checking account, there's $100 in my checking account. It's really there. It's based in fact. But check this out. The Greek word for consider is, I'm going to say it probably incorrectly, logizomai, which is where we get our word logic. Oh my gosh, that is the coolest thing ever. (laughs) Because what Paul is saying is that as we are to be dead to sin, it means it is logical for us to be dead to sin. So, okay, so let me put it to us this way. If there was a dead body lying here, it would be completely unresponsive to any stimuli. I could say what I wanted to it. I could shout at it. I could dump water on it. I could even kick it. Is it going to respond? No. It's a dead body. It's logical that it's not going to respond. There's no life in it. So what this means is for us is we're to consider ourselves unresponsive to sin. The same way a dead body is unresponsive to me yelling at it or throwing water at it. So for us, the great news is that having the ability to not respond to, te- to sinful temptations is not simply wishful thinking, it's actually logical. This is amazing because this is not just a dream or a hope that we can have. And so just imagine for a moment where we, you live in a world where you get cut off in traffic and you don't get angry and tell the person in colorful terms what you think of their depth perception. Imagine for a moment you're a parent and your kids have been climbing the walls all day long and you handle it patiently because you know you can, because you know you don't have to respond any other way. So when we're talking about this, what this means is that, I mean, well, first of all, let's understand that we have this now. So now, okay, so we're looking at this going, well, that's great. That sounds really great. There's only one small problem. We all still face temptations. Temptations will still come. Trials will still come. People still do what they do. But now we have this reality that how we respond to this is going to be a different ballgame, right? So what we need to know is that it's probably a good idea for us to understand where temptations come from. So in our verse from James, he lets us know that one of the things that's important for every person to, to know about ourselves is that temptations usually start in our minds, 
Okay, I mean, yes, Satan will present opportunities for us to sin. He will put things in our path. But the actual temptation itself is that, you know, first of all, we can never say that we are being tempted by God because God is not tempted by evil and he will never tempt us to do something evil. He may allow temptations for the purpose of growing us and maturing us and deepening our faith, but he will not tempt us with evil. But what happens is that when those temptations come to us, we've got a choice. The temptation itself is not a sin, but you'll notice James says that when we are lured and enticed by our own desire, so when we look at something and it causes a, 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 a kind of a reaction in our mind to start thinking about it, when we you know, maybe we're, we're, you know, a sober, we're a sober person, but we've had a really hard day and we want to drive by the liquor store and go grab a six pack. Well, you know what? That's a temptation. That's not a sin yet. It becomes a sin when, sin, when the desire, that temptation, that thought is allowed to grow and we make plans for it and we start making excuses for it and justifying it so it's conceived and then when we take action on it that's when we've stepped across the line but look at all that time we've had beforehand to make the right decision because when we're set free in Christ if we consider ourselves dead to sin we don't have to go down this path and so that's the whole point and here's here's the crazy part of this we don't have to sin. Okay, let me say it again, because you guys are still conscious. We <laughs> the first time I heard this, the first time I had this taught to me, the, the reality that as a Christian, with the power of the Holy Spirit in us, being set free, because when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed, that you legitimately do not have to sin you could have knocked me over with a feather because I'm like, if that's the case, then why am I always sinning? Right? What's the deal? <laughs> well, here's the thing. We don't have to, but we do because we're human. Christ has set us free, but what we do need to do is practice dying to self because this whole dead to sin thing, yes, it's a once and for all deal, but we now spend the rest of our lives practicing what it means to live as a free person. So does this mean we will never sin again? Unfortunately, no. We do still sin. Um, there's a difference between practicing sin and the, the desire to not sin, but finding ourselves still making a mistake, even though everything in us didn't want to. And actually, we're going to talk about that next week. That's where we're going to, we're going to kind of focus on that push-pull next week and, and really the battle, the, the real battle that we face. And Paul talks about that. He's so transparent about it. It's wonderful. You guys are not going to want to miss it. But because today what we're really going to focus on is the internal part, the mental part, the battle that goes on in our minds before it comes out into our daily lives in a, in a reality. So we're going to talk about that. Because the fact is, is we do still sin because we do have a new spirit, but we are still wrapped in a body of flesh and we are still living on this planet that is pushing and pulling at us all the time. So what we need to, to learn how to do is practicing our new reality, practicing what we know, knowing that we are free, is that we can't be truly free until our old self dies. So Paul, again, as he's writing a letter to another church, he says of himself that I have been crucified with Christ. And so for every person who has truly decided to follow Christ, this is us. 
we have been crucified with Christ. So, so this life that we live on this planet, it's not really us who's doing this. We're not the one living, but Christ living through us. This is now the life that we are to live. And so what this means is when we choose to follow Christ, our old self nature is nailed to the cross. So we have to die to ourselves, but it doesn't go down without a fight. That bad boy is going to go down kicking and screaming. <laughs> so this is part of the challenge. So for me, when I, when I made a real commitment to Christ, when I finally understood what that was, that meant the old Dion had to die. That meant that, you know, everything that I, you know, in my flesh and, and you know, fighting in my marriage and, and, and patience with kids and all of that stuff, all of that had to die so that Christ could live through me. And that's what it means for you that you have to die so that Christ can live through you. And honestly, this is really where I had the hardest time trying to figure out what being a Christian was because I couldn't understand why I still had temptations and why I still was dealing with the powerful emotions. And, and I actually saw that as a failure. So for me, a lot of years, I was under the wrong impression that success and failure as a Christian was dependent on the absence or presence of feelings and temptations. So, so learning this for me um, was a complete and total game changer. So, so when we go back to the word necrosis, when we're talking about being dead, um, in the same way that lack of blood flow causes flesh to die, if we cut off the flow of sin in our lives, then the sin nature will also die. So we actually have some, some work to do ourselves. God has done the work of setting us free. God has done the work of giving us everything we need to live as a free life. We have to put in the effort to practice it. And, and so it, it requires putting off the old person, deliberately moving towards living as a, as a person who is free from sin. And so what this means is unlearning old habits, learning new ones. But not just outward behavior, but internal. Because remember, we're focusing on the internal today. And I'll just kind of keep reminding us of that. That we're to put off our old self, which belongs to our former manner of life. But that we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And so again, we're being, we're being instructed and we're being encouraged that this renewal comes in the spirit of our mind. Oftentimes what happens is when a person becomes a Christian, one of the first things we do is we try to fix ourselves. We're like, I'm a Christian now. I believe in God. I know now I need to be a good person and I need to do good things. So I better hurry up and start being a good person and doing good things. Well, sad to say, that's a big a mistake for a lot of us because what we're doing is we're trying to fix the outside without allowing God to change us and transform us from the inside because it's the internal that works its way out. So if we're trying to clean ourselves up from the outside in, it's not always going to work. And so as we see, we're to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and we're to put on the new self. So yes, we're to do the new and godly habits. But notice who this new self is created after. Our new self is created after the likeness of God. Again, we often, when in the process of trying to fix ourselves and clean ourselves up, we might be trying to turn ourselves into somebody that we think we should be. And it may not always be in line with the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so for me, I spent many years trying to do this, and this is precisely the reason why I found out that I was having such a hard time. I was trying to fix me from the outside in. I was trying to fix me the way I thought I was supposed to be fixed. I wasn't allowing God at that point or in understanding 
to be renewed in the spirit of my mind and allow that to work its way out. So what happened is I tried to do it and I either failed or at the very least had temporary success, which went away the moment I was tempted again. So again, this is not a matter of trying to be a better person and do good things based on what we think, but actively searching for and learning through God's word, um, through church, through Bible studies, and just whatever we can to, to what it means to put on the new self, what it means to be created after his likeness, his nature, his character, his heart, his compassion, his mercy, and what it means to be righteous and holy so that we can live as free people. But this will actually require a strategic plan. I know it may sound weird how you like plan out your Christian life, um, everybody's different. Some people are crazy spontaneous and some people are crazy structured. I'm a crazy structured person. I need to do this one, two, three at this time of day and it's all good. You know, you divert me from that and I might have a breakdown. <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, it's, it really requires a strategic plan because of the fact that we will be tempted. So we need to learn how to have something in place before the sin happens. So when the temptation comes, we know how we're going to respond. And so right now we're going to look at how do we do that mentally? How do we do that inside of our minds? Because that's really where most of our battle is going to take place. So as we approach the second portion of the verse of Romans 6, 11, where it says that we are to consider ourselves dead to sin, but to be alive um, to God in Christ Jesus, the portion of being alive to God in Christ means basically being responsive to him. So alive is, is very simple. It's alive. We're upright and breathing. <laughs> There's not a lot complicated with, with the definition here, but it's the real life. It's this new real life that we can have in Christ. And so just as being dead meant being unresponsive to sin, being alive now means we are responsive to God, actively depending on him. And so as we put to death the old self and as we clear our heart and our mind, we make space for God to move inside of our lives and we actually get to start living out this new reality of freedom. So when we do this, one of the first things um, that we can do is an internal evaluation. And so in this, being alive to God is now that we now have the desire to not sin. We, in everything that we are, our hope's desire is that we don't want to sin, but we need to ask God to show us. And part of, part of the understanding of what it means to put off the old and put on the new is, is really just kind of examining our past life, our behaviors. How do we respond to things? Where are we the weakest in our temptations? And so part of asking God to show us is, is what we see in Psalm 139, that asking God to try us, to know our heart, to test our thoughts. Again, we're in, we're in the mind portion here and see if there be any grievous way in, in us and lead us in the life everlasting. So allowing God to show us where we need to make these changes is one of our first things. But there is a caution in this. And, and I think we can all identify with this. Um, maybe some of us more than others. I'm probably the queen of this problem. Um, is, the, is the fact that we don't slide into just simply replaying old tapes inside of our mind. Um, I know that we've probably all heard the saying, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And I think that's a true statement. 
um, we know that if we don't learn from our past mistakes, we often have the difficulty of going through it over and over again. But as we let God examine our hearts, one of the things to be careful of is that we have to learn from the past, not live in the past. So the purpose of looking back is really just for the for the purpose of making that strategic plan to not sin, not to just keep dragging it with us into our present life and into our future life. And I know that this is, um, this is something that I struggled with a lot, that whole idea of just playing tapes over and over and over again. And so the practice for us now with our new life in Christ is just, we got to get out of our head, guys. <laughs> You know, I mean, sometimes we just overthink, overanalyze, go over things over and over and over again. I tell you, part of my morning routine with my cup of coffee is just getting rid of the circus in my head every single day. The monkeys and bears having a field day in there. It's just, it's part of being a human being. And so in our freedom, it's important to remember that we don't do this because what happens is we then go into the danger of because we're remembering our past, it's feeling like because we remember it and because it still hurts that, that God hasn't forgiven us. When the reality is, is that God has forgiven us. Isaiah tells us that it's actually for our welfare that that, that is still there, that we remember it and that it hurts us because that's our cue to not do it again. And see, it says it's for our welfare that we have bitterness over our sin and our past, but that remember that God has delivered us from that life, that pit of destruction. He has forgiven us. And in fact, what he does is he also casts all of our sins behind his back. Now, again, a fun little nugget here is that I know a lot of times we hear the saying that when God forgives, he forgets. Well, actually, that's not true. He can't forget. It's not really biblical to say that because if he did forget, um, he wouldn't be all-knowing, he wouldn't be all-powerful, and he wouldn't be present everywhere at all times, and he wouldn't be able to remind us um, when we're starting down that road that we shouldn't go for just simply for the purpose of just helping us to not repeat those same mistakes. That's the only time that God is going to ever show us when we've made a mistake and remind us is for the purpose of helping us not to condemn us. So the whole business of casting sins behind his back is not a forgetting thing. It's a purposeful, it's a purposeful act of choosing not to look at them and hold them against us. And so one of the ways, kind of a fun, I don't know, have to, kind of a fun way to explain this is that um, if you take your fist, you can do this later. <laughs> you don't have to do it now. If this is how it was explained to me, if you take your hand and you and you put it in a fist and you put your hand right at the small of your back, just kind of like that. You guys see these over there, um, and then try to turn around and try to look at your hand. It's impossible to do. For some of us, if we have a crick in our neck, it's really impossible to do. But even for kids you can't really see your hand. And that's kind of the whole point. When God puts our, his, our sins behind his back, he's, he can't see them. He's choosing not to look at them. So the challenge, even though we know this and we have to remind ourselves, is that we're still dealing with guilt. We're still dealing with shame. We still have the emotional scars. So when these times do come to mind, it can really be tempting 
for us to focus on them. And just like I said, keep replaying those old tapes over and over. Um, Satan also loves to remind us of our past failures. Please keep that in mind. It's not always Satan, but oftentimes if we're plagued with those memories, we really have to stop and kind of consider, go back to the Psalm 139 and like, Lord, what are you trying to show me? And or is Satan the one who's reminding us of our past failures for the purpose of condemning us? Or, you know what else he'll do? He'll distort our memories. So when we think of the past, all we're going to remember is how good and fun the sin was at the time, while blurring the fact that it was causing damage in our lives and the lives of others. So it's just something to think about. But we're also tempted to, to replay conversations and arguments or practice what we'd like to say to a person if given the chance. <laughs> right? <laughs> the downside of this is we rehearse it. And I don't know about you, but I've had a, and I can't remember it. The beauty of getting older is you can't remember anything long enough to do this. But, <laughs> but the thing of it is, is like we actually practice remembering. So when we have the opportunity to pull it out, it's ready. We're rehearsed. We're good to go. We're just going to tell them what we think. But, but what, what's wrong with this is that what we're doing is we are actually, um, we are actually, bringing ourselves back to being slaves to sin. We're, we're bringing ourselves, we are making ourselves slaves of the past. And, and Peter, he does this beautiful imagery of referring to a proverb that says, when we do this, when we choose to look at the past, when we choose to focus on it, when we choose to go back to our old ways, when we choose to do this, we are like a dog that returns to its own vomit. Oh, do you know why they do that? I don't. I thought maybe you did. I, <laughs> I actually, a long time ago, I forgot. I actually, a long time ago, researched it because I thought, oh, surely God had some great reason for the dogs to do this. Like it was a protection from prey and blah. No, there ain't nothing. I think it's because he thought it was funny and it would gross us out. So there you go. <laughs> So, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. This is what we are doing to ourselves when we do this. And I, and I do want to add something in quickly here, too, and, and I want to be incredibly sensitive to this. We can enslave ourselves even when we're trying to do something to fix or improve ourselves. And sometimes this comes uh, with the practice of secular counseling methods because some of their methods, it's often taught to focus on the past and to focus on our feelings. And although, you know, I want to, like I said, I want to be very sensitive. I understand that counselors, they want to do the right thing. They really do want to help people. So this is not a condemnation of their motives or anything like that. It's just simply the understanding that even though we're seeking help and even though they want to help, if we're not careful, the moment we are diagnosed with an emotional disorder or a label or anything like that, we become a slave to it because it now follows us around everywhere we go. And, and what the problem for Christians is this denies the reality of being set free. If we say, if the sun sets us free, we are free indeed. If a drug addict comes to Christ and truly submits his life, that person is free from addiction that minute. Are they going to feel free? Probably not. In some cases, it may be a miraculous healing. But for the most part, for most people, 
they're still going to battle cravings. They're still going to go through DTs. They're still going to have to change their lives in ways. It's going to be crazy hard, but they're free. So we can't deny that. And so, so this is kind of what we're, we're kind of looking at because I see so many people, and I've done it myself, who try to follow Christ and live defeated because of this, because they've been, they're told that you can't do this without such a, we can't. All things are possible with Christ. All things are possible. But it's not always going to be an easy walk. So when we do this, one of the things when it comes to being alive to God in Christ Jesus is, is guarding our heart and our mind. You know, because we're talking about the internal, we're talking about the battle that goes on in our mind before we, before we go into next week and how this works out in our daily lives, is how do we guard our heart and mind in this? How do we, you know, when it comes to old tapes and all of that stuff, what we really need to do is um, we need to understand that we need to have new tapes. And, and I had to laugh last night because it was like, don't replay old tapes. And I suddenly realized, how many people under the age of 30 even know what a tape is? <laughs> you know, I don't know. You can't really replay old CDs. I mean, there's no rewinding them, you know? I mean, it was just kind of one of those things. So if we follow the verse in Philippians and to guard our heart and mind, is as we're doing this, is that the second we're tempted to sin. The second we're tempted to, to do something, um, you know, the second something comes at us is to spend some time here. Because here's the thing, we need to let things go, okay? Sometimes we feel like it's so important for us to hang on to stuff. It's not. We need to let things go. Because if we don't, if we try to keep a hold of it and, and keep a hold of our issues, we stunt our growth as Christians. You know, so when I think about the, the fact of necrosis and being dead and dying tissue and stuff, you know, the interesting thing about necrosis, especially flesh, like flesh-eating disease, I'm going to whip out a crazy fancy medical term, necrotizing fasciitis, um, is that until the dying tissue is surgically removed, the person cannot heal. If they don't remove it, it will continue eating at the flesh, causing infection, and going at it until if it's left alone long enough, the person will actually die. So it has to be removed, and that's what we need to practice doing too, is removing the junk that's flying around in our head and replaying the past um, inside of our minds. And so renewing our spirit, living as a free person, we can't simply just stop doing things without replacing them with something else. We need new tapes or you can't even say CDs anymore. Everything's online. Everybody's got, you know, Sirius and Pandora and all that stuff. So never mind. Okay, so what do we do? <laughs> the next time we're tempted to sin or drink or use or give in to anger or fear or worry or depression, we need to follow these verses. First of all, don't try not to stress it, but don't be anxious. Yes, you're going to feel it, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, thanking God that you are set free, thanking God that he is going to give you what you need to get through this. Let your requests be made known to God. Okay, we're going to pause here for just a second, only because more often than not, we have this part down. When we're troubled, when we're stressed, when we're, when we're tired, when, thing, when life is just collapsing on us, we do pray. We go to God, and sometimes we get to the point we beg God to please fix it. But if we're not careful, what we do is we stop there and we just wait for him to like, I don't know, sprinkle fairy dust on the situation and make everything, you know, go away absolutely immediately. But that's not always how things happen. 
In fact, I don't think God has fairy dust. So um, <laughs> what we need to do is, yes, we pray. Yes, we, we go to God with our requests. Yes, we come to him because he wants to hear from us. He, he knows that we need him. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus because we know he is going to do what he needs to do. But what we can do for our mind, as we talk about being dead to sin and alive to God in Christ, especially in the internal battle, is go to the next verses. And this is oftentimes where a lot of people don't even know these verses, but this is what we need to do. This is the practice of living as free people. What this means, and it says, finally, brothers, sisters, men, women, children, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It is literally learning to shift our brain from negative to the positive, from sin to God. So what this looks like is the next time we are in a bind with something, for me what this meant was as I was learning as a Christ follower how to not focus on being depressed, what this meant was when I was really starting to go inside myself and internalize and go inside my head, just starting to rehearse why I could feel this way and why nobody loves me and blah, 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 and going on and on. I had to learn to stop. Stop right there and start focusing on what was true of God and what was true of the situation. And I had to work on it. It's like, what's true of God? God loves me. God has given me the power to get through this. And what is true of the situation? (laughs) I have a home. I have a family who loves me. I have kids who are amazing. And I just started going down the list of what was true of God in the situation. And I started, had to remind myself of what was true, what God says is true of me, that Christ died for me, that as his child, I'm going to be able to learn to walk this life without being enslaved to depression. And as I practiced that, he healed me. And so it's, but even, even if we still wrestle with these things 20 years later, we still practice this and we go through what is true of, you know, um, what is honorable about God? What is honorable about the situation? What can we praise him for? You know, this is what we take our minds through as we go through this. And so this is based on the truth that Christ has set us free and we are no longer slaves to this and that we are to meditate on these things. So instead of replaying old tapes, we replay these new tapes. And that's what we get to do. So as we close today, I just want to remind anybody, um, if anyone ever needs any help in this area, please come talk to us, you know, because that's what we're here for. You know, we're all, we're all in this together. Nobody has it perfect. I don't have it perfect but we're all going down the same path and learning and growing. And so we want to be here for you. Um, also, just as a reminder to keep in mind that last week's message, this weekend and the next couple of weeks are really kind of part of a whole. So we want to, we want to make sure that we kind of catch all of it because like we said, last week we learned that we have a new life. This week we're learning that in that new life we are set free from the bondage of sin and over the next few weeks we're going to be talking about how that really kind of plays out in our daily lives and in each day. So as we finish with this verse, this was today's verse, 
Um, just a reminder that the death that Christ died, he died to sin once for all, and the life that he lives, he lives to God. So we also must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Next week, we go into verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. So I'm excited about that. I hope you guys continue joining us. Um, we'd love to have you here. Would you please join me in prayer? Father, thank you so, so much that you have given us the ability to enjoy a reality of a life that is free from, free from the bondage of sin. Yes, Lord, I know we sin, and we ask your forgiveness for that. I ask you forgiveness for every, every little tiny thing that you know, I do that I don't even realize. But Lord, the fact that we have hope that we can do this, and that even when we make a mistake, we can still come to you and ask for forgiveness. And you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. I pray, Lord, that we would choose to follow you, choose to ask the questions, be brave enough to check it out. Thank you for the day and for each amazing person here. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.